Welcome to the Weekly Wisdom of Wise Bear, where each week we come together to share in a story, a quote, a moment that helps us distill the murky waters of life. I am your host, Tobias Neal, and I am honored to walk the path with you. Today, Wise Bearians, I want to talk to you about fear, but first, I want to apologize. Uh, this has been a very rough week for me, uh, and so I'm actually behind. I I had kind of promised at the very beginning that I would always try to release a new episode on Sundays at the beginning of the week, and I'm, uh, in all honesty, recording this on uh, Friday because uh, it was just such a, a rough week. So I'm going to work really hard to keep uh, that word to getting everything out on Sunday as much as I can. So again, uh, I wanted to apologize for that. Second, I wanted to say thank you. Uh, in this last week, uh, my numbers as far as subscribers and people that are sharing have really just blown me away. They've just really blown me away. I, I'm so humbled by the fact that you guys are taking the time to listen, and hopefully I'm providing something to you that is uh, really helping your life. So I just really wanted to say thank you for that. So back to what we were talking about. So today, I want to talk a little bit about fear, okay? And fear gets in the way of us doing a lot of things. And so I want to talk a little bit about what fear is. I want to talk about how it's pretty much universal and some examples of it. And then I want to talk a little bit about how we can see fear for what it is or maybe reframe it. And then to also, you know, find some things that can help us through our fears that are holding us back. Now, I also want to give a little bit of a disclaimer here. I am not a therapist, right? This is just something that I use in my life that I've found that I've done research for and I that fear kind of holds me back, so I'm sharing this with you. And the reason why I say that is because there's people that have some very huge fears like agoraphobia and some other things, and in no way am I diminishing the effort that it takes to find their way through that. So I'm going to just, I, I just want to put that out there. Now, if some of this stuff that I am sharing helps you guys with your fear, uh, you understand it, you like, you use some of the examples maybe I'm providing and it helps you overcome those fears, then that's really what I'm hoping. Uh, that's the blessing I'm hoping I'm putting out there for you. So I want to start a little bit with a story of a type of fear uh, that I had. I think that's kind of universal and I'm not sure why, but uh, when I was in the Air Force, we were actually stationed at a, uh, on, on base and the housing was very, very old. And when I went to get stationed there, the house that we were in was probably built, I think, like in the early 1950s at the time. And so when you went into the house, there was a basement, but it was an open basement. And what I mean is like when you walked into the house, there was just a stairway down into the basement. There's no door, just a big gaping hole in the floor, and uh, and there was no lights, okay? So I don't know if I can tell you how terrifying this thing was. And so during the day, you would walk down into this dark basement, and there was one of those uh, wheel um, window wells. A little bit of light would get in there, but then to the left, as you went down, was another door, and you had to go through that door to get to the washer and dryer, and it was one of those like creepy swing like lights. You couldn't just go down in there. And so I, and honestly, in all that honesty, I lived in that house for several years and I cannot remember, I cannot actually remember doing a load of laundry. So I think I probably just blocked the whole experience out. But we would go down there and I don't know if people have had this feeling, but that when you turn around and you're coming back up the stairs, 
and you run up the stairs because you feel something is going to grab your rear or, you know, I, even as I talk, I'm getting like chills on my, on my uh, skin and I'm like, it, it, it's completely, I obviously know there's nothing down there. I'm a very logical person. I walk down there, but it's not just that basement. It's any basements that I've kind of come up and I've talked to other people and they're like, oh yeah, I like run up the stairs if I have to go down into the basement for any reason. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing and, and it fits a little bit with uh, when we get into what types of fear there are. Second, as another example, when I was uh, serving as kind of a police officer on the base that I was at, we were largely in the mountains. And so one night I got called to a bear sighting and these are normal. And bears uh, can, they have a uh, wise bear, right? Uh, bears have some behaviors about them. They're mostly scared of people unless something is going on and they're territorial. So I knew this particular bear. When I went down there to scare the bear off, and it's largely if you get out and just kind of clap your hands, they would take off. This bear didn't. And he was kind of snuffling at me. And I, I kind of was gently kind of walking towards him to get him to go away. And he kept snuffling and snuffling and very distressed. And this is weird behavior for him. And all of a sudden I heard a, like a, a twig, like, like snap. Right. And I took my spotlight and turned it. And I kid you not, there was a black bear probably within about a foot. I could have reached out and touched his nose. And he's standing there staring at me. Uh, and literally I was like, uh Oh, and I mean, all like chills went down my arms and I was like, okay, buddy, it's okay. And I slowly kind of backed away and got my car, right? But that's another kind of fear, that reaction that I just had. And then, you know, last time when I had to ask my wife out for the very first time, when I first met her, I was, I really dug on her and I wanted to ask her out more officially. And, you know, you get the sweats in your hands and your stomach gets a little bit tightened. And that's another type of fear, three different types. One, you know, maybe irrational, like coming up through the basement, one physical, right? I'm being faced with something that could potentially hurt me. And then one that's completely in my head, right? And it has to do with uh, kind of an ego because what if she says no, or who am I, or, you know, all these different things. So we'll talk a little bit about those and maybe you'll see some of uh, these fears that you may have and whether that's asking for a raise or asking a person out uh, for the first time or public speaking, they all kind of fall in these. So I want us to understand the types of fear first and understand it's universal. Different people have different ones, but they all kind of fall in these things. And then now we know those things, what can we do about it, right? So the first thing I'm going to talk about is the definition of fear. And it's important for us to know this because of what it actually is, right? So it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. So I want to highlight two words in there, an unpleasant emotion and a belief, emotion and belief. So there are five types of fear, or at least uh, this particular person I'm going to mention, his name is Dr. Albrecht, and he wrote an article in Psychological uh, Psychology Today, and he lists five types of fear that he says we all share. And as I look through these and I try to match things against it, it's solid, all right? So the first one, is the word extinction, okay? The fear of annihilation or ceasing to exist. So this is our fear of death, right? And, and this is a more fundamental way to kind of say, if we're going to get that kind of panicky feeling when we stand at the edge of a cliff and look down, right, uh, of a high building, it's the possibility that the next thing that might occur would be the end of us. And so we all kind of have it. And now we use psychology, philosophy, religion, uh, different things, find uh, ways to work through that, 
but ultimately we all kind of share that fear in a sense of ceasing to be right the second is damage okay he uses a word mutilation i'm not a, I'm a huge fan of that word but he uses the word damage or i use the word damage so it's the fear of losing any part of our precious bodily structure the thought of having our body's boundaries of invaded or of losing the integrity of any organ body part or natural function so we see this as uh, an example would be something like we're afraid of bugs, uh, spiders, snakes, other creepy things uh, arise from a fear of that, right? So if we get bit, something is happening to our body, or if you know something attacks us, it could take something away from us. It's that kind of fear of damage to ourselves. The next is loss of autonomy, the fear of being immobilized, paralyzed, restricted, enveloped, overwhelmed, entrapped, imprisoned, smothered, etc. So um, this is often caused, or this is often kind of known as like claustrophobia, but it can also in, like go into social interactions and relationships, all right, that somehow that we're losing ourselves in that relationship. Uh, next is separation, which is the fear of abandonment, rejection, or a loss of connectedness, of becoming a non-person or not wanted, respected, or valued. And the easiest way to kind of use this example would be something like the silent treatment. When if you impose that by a group, it can actually have a devastating effect on the person. Uh, another thing would be something like being exiled. It's really interesting. Today, we don't think about it so much, but back, uh, think about back in Roman times, one of the punishments wasn't just death. Like to us, we would go, you know, death is it. But one of the big uh, things that they did with philosophers uh, or, you know, heretics or people that spoke out one of the punishments was being exiled. And to us, we'd go, Psh, you're just telling us to leave? Okay. Right? But it wasn't that. It was literally them cutting all ties to everything that they knew, the community that they knew, their standing, everything. And to them back then, that was a huge thing. So in essence, what they were doing is separating that person from, you know, in essence, a tribe. And so that was one of our big fears. And then last, and I think this is the one that we see most often today in our society, be, uh, if unless we were like really living in an area where our physical, that, that part of extinction is common. But over here, I think most often what we've seen is, is titled ego death, right? It's the fear of humiliation, shame, any other mechanism of profound self-disapproval that threatens the loss of integrity of the self, the fear of the shattering or disintegration of one's constructed sense of lovability, capability, and worthiness. His definition is not mine. That's why they're kind of wordy. In essence, that's what it is. We're afraid to go do these certain things because it's going to somehow like crash our ego in some way. Like we're going to feel humiliated or uh, embarrassed. You, you understand? And I think this is one of our worst things when we're in this kind of society that we're in today where we're fairly safe from most things that could, you know, make us extinct or damage us. And so then we're talking about, well, we're afraid to ask or go out for a new job or start a new project. And that holds us back from doing certain things. So I think that's probably one of our biggest that we have in modern society. Now, in all ways, if you really look at different fears, they will eventually fit somehow into these five. Dr. Albrecht goes on to say, okay, that strange idea of fearing our fears. And we kind of remember Theodore, I think it was Roosevelt that said, you, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. That's where this comes from. Uh, becomes a little bit less strange when we realize that many of our avoidance reactions, so turning down an invitation to a party if we tend to be uncomfortable in groups, or putting off a doctor's appointment, or not asking for a raise, these are instant reactions to the memories of fear. They happen so quickly that we don't actually experience the full effect of the fear. We experience a micro fear, which is a big thing that we hear today, micro. Now, second, 
I want to go to the other side to a mystic. He's considered a modern mystic. If you have not uh, looked up Sadhguru, S-A-D-H, Guru, here's how he put forward in one of his talks when he's talking about overcoming fear. So I want you to hear a little bit different way of how he sees fear in the mind. Because remember, this is still an emotion that's brought on by a belief. Okay, so he says, the fear is from living in your mind. Your fear is always about what is going to happen next. That means your fear is always about that which does not exist. If your fear is about the non-existent, your fear is 100% imaginary. If you're suffering the non-existential, we call that insanity. So people may just be at a different socially acceptable level of insanity. People are always suffering. So what has happened to us today or what will happen to us tomorrow is because we are rooted in the mind and that the mind is one part memory and one part imagination. Both of them do not exist right now. So that's his way of kind of saying if we look at the fears, often we're in our mind and we're thinking about what could happen. What if this person turns me down? What if I don't get the job? What if I get a ban- uh, you know, rejected? All these different things. But here's the thing. None of those have occurred yet. You understand? So like we're fearing something that has not yet occurred. So therefore it doesn't exist. And we're literally suffering over something that literally does not exist at all. It's just made up in our head. And then the other part is our memory. And we are now learning that our memories can be faulty in some ways. Uh, but at the same time, the incident has passed, right? There, you, there's nothing you can do about it. it. It is now in the past. And so if you live in that memory, it's not that the thing did not exist, but it does not exist today. It doesn't exist now. And so that's kind of his viewpoint is if we're looking to the past or we're really looking to the future, we're living in a place that does not exist and yet we're suffering for it. And so if you want to get over that fear, you have to be more, I guess, attuned to what's going on right now at this moment. So that's his viewpoint. Okay. So we've gone from a doctor of psychology to a modern mystic. All right. So there, these are just a few perspectives on fear and what our fears are at the root. But what do we do with that? right? As, as, as it relates to overcoming or even moving through fear. So we can kind of go, yep, these are cool. We've learned something new. There's these five types of fear, right? We can talk about maybe it's in our head. It's a belief. It's an emotion, but what do we do about it? Okay. So these are, these are some things that in my research that I was going through, these are some of the things that worked for me. These are some of the things that I think are pretty cool. Uh, and I encourage you, if you want to try them and maybe they'll help you. Okay. Now, obviously, if you have, de- uh, I can't, I'm going to work on this word, but debilitating, yeah, debilitating fear, right? And if some of these help you, great. If you need to seek help for those or like counseling, by all means, okay, I'm right on board with those folks. So I also encourage that as well. All right. So now these are some of the things that I saw. If they help you, by all means, try some. So the first thing is to understand that fear is an emotion. And this resides solely within yourself. So external things may be happening to you, but the fear of the thing sits squarely within you. This is something that came to me just for a second. I want you to imagine as if all of your senses have gone away, right? Now, don't freak out, but just like this is just imagination, little idea. So if your eyes, like you closed your eyes, couldn't see anything anymore. You couldn't hear anything anymore. You couldn't smell anything anymore. You couldn't touch anything anymore. Like you wouldn't feel anything. All your senses are gone. Okay, so you're just, you're sitting in a chair. You wouldn't even know it, but you're right there. 
Now, the reality of the situation is still going on around you. So the world is still moving around. This world is still, still you know, doing its thing every single day. And one of the things is now, let's think of some of the things that we would be afraid of, right? So imagine the scariest thing to you just walked by, or you were standing on a stage, or you're flying in a plane, right? Or this girl or guy, uh, or anybody in front of you, you wanted to ask out, or you wanted to talk to your boss about a race. Like all of this is going around you in reality, right at that moment, but you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't hear it, you can't touch it, you can't taste it, nothing. Right, so in an effect, it has no effect on you whatsoever, because something like that is you are the sole like receiver of that information. So now imagine that we start to add back in senses, be it our eyesight or hearing, etc. As soon as we do that, we take in that information. Our brains start clicking in and going, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Right. So what does that tell you? That emotion and belief is completely inside of you, right? So you're taking that information in and then you are making a judgment, uh, some sort of uh, belief or choice about the information that's coming into you. So here's the cool thing. If you know that, it also know it also gives you the understanding that you have control over it, right? You have control over that choice of what's coming in. Now, just to kind of add to this a little bit. I'm taking a class right now on Japanese psychology. One of the things that the teacher said that I thought was really interesting, and I used to be uh, a soldier and I know some other folks uh, that are in that realm, right? And he says, there is no emotional state that is sustainable forever, even if we think so. And I, and I, I want to hit on that just for a second. And he said, none. Fear is an emotion. I often think about people that are living in environments that are conducive to violence or troops that are in war, right? So you would think, hey, these people live every single day with the threat of something going on. Or you see our soldiers, we go into battle, and you know it's, it's a violent thing. And I guarantee you that a good portion of those people going into those situations are afraid. They're fearful. But if you start to talk to some of the people that have lived in that all of their life, or they've been at war for a really long time, what happens, and it's something very interesting about humans, is we begin to learn how to cope in a variety of different ways to tolerate or move through that fear. But that heightened sense of fear that we have is not sustainable. We just can't. Our, our minds will find a way to lessen it in some way. And that is also kind of a lesson there, all of our emotions. All right. They become accustomed to or accept it. Well, now in some cases, it might not be the healthiest ways, but they still cannot sustain that emotion. So different people, you'll see like a law enforcement, uh, especially if they're facing a lot of uh, dark situations, they use dark humor to try to, if it was heard from the outside, and soldiers do it too, if it was heard from the outside in the civilian populace sometimes, it would probably, they would be like, oh my God, like what's wrong with these people? That's a coping mechanism, uh, largely that they use humor to diffuse that fear or stress. Okay, so I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that, the sheer emotion of that massive fear is not sustainable. And so just know that it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to sit with you all the time. Here are some of those things that I promised you. So first, sit with your fear for just a few minutes. So in your mind, you're thinking about something you're afraid of, maybe flying in a plane, doing whatever. And just for a few minutes, you don't have to dwell on it. And know that as soon as you start to do that, 
you're going to feel kind of crappy, right? Maybe it's scary. Maybe your palms are sweating. This is just an emotion, okay? And this will ebb and flow kind of like the ocean. It will come up and maybe a strong wave, and then it will go away. After you do this for a few minutes, then turn around and do something that's enjoyable, like something you actually really enjoy, reading a book, you know, go outside for a walk, uh, just something you really enjoy doing, calling a friend, right? But just sit, start out, just sit a few minutes with your fear. Uh, another activity that I thought was uh, really cool was, and I got from that class, was he said, you know, if you have that fear going on, whatever that fear may be, he goes, invite that, uh, <laughs> invite that fear to your table and have tea. And if you guys are imagery uh, type people, you understand what I said. Or another thing I saw to that is you could write a letter to that fear. Hey, dear, dear fear. And it follows to this. I'm not intimidated by you. I welcome you to my table. What can you teach me? Because if you think about that, so before we almost feel like we're a slave to our fear. Now we are in control of the fear. We've invited it to our home or our table or et cetera. It's sitting here in front of us and we go, you know what? You're here because I've allowed you to be here. I'm not intimidated by you anymore. So what can I learn from you? What can you teach me? And that puts you in control of that. And I thought that was a really cool way of doing that, right? Two more. Action through that fear and acceptance can help the fear to fade. When I first kind of spoke in front of a class or when I first jumped out of a plane, okay, which I've done both, uh, my fear was huge, but I did it anyway. Then I did it again. And now I still have a little fear each time, believe it or not. Uh, when I speak in front of groups, I'm much more confident now, or I, you know, especially when I started getting into teaching. But man, my first classes, I was absolutely petrified. I stood and stared at my notes. I didn't even look at the audience, and I, it was probably horrible for them. But after I was done teaching, and I was teaching over and over and over, I eventually my notes went to the side. I felt more confident with what I was saying. But interestingly enough, even though I've done that uh, bef before all of this, you know, COVID and all that. But when I was doing that, what I found was, and I'm talking, I've talked to groups of two, 300 people is I still get nervous, right? I still get a little bit afraid, even though I'm going to go do the thing anyway. And even though I've done it a lot, I'm still scared of it. So it's okay, right? I just kind of bring my fear along with me and say, Hey, let's go on a walk. We got to go do this thing. So I want to finish with a story. And then we'll get to our questions. But I really want to finish with the story of one of my clients. She has made an impression on me for the rest of my life, right? And this was, I think, as emotional to her as it was to me. And I want to share it with you as an example. So uh, at one point, I owned a gym. And she had to, uh, one of my clients had to jump on a box jump, right? And it was like 12 inches. It was like a foot high. And she would go to jump. And she would go to jump. And the fear of hitting her ankles the fear of not making it, the fear of falling off. Uh, and you can actually put those back to the fears that we talked about. All of those things, uh, she just, she could not do it. I could, her body would start to go and she tighten up and she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, okay, look, about six, seven months from now is my birthday. On my birthday, as a birthday gift to me, you're going to jump on the box. And if you don't, you can leave the gym. And she's like, ha 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 ha. And I was like, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> like you can... We're going to train for it. You're going to jump on the box. If you don't jump on the box, you're out. And, and please understand, I love every one of my clients that ever walked in my door. So this is what I knew that she needed. And so the months passed. Here we come. And she walked in my gym that morning and I said, okay, you ready to jump on the box? Said, oh, 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 oh. I said, no, no, no. You're jumping on the box today or you're leaving the gym. 
And I said, first, I want you to stand next to the box and I want you to jump as high as you can jump. And I'm going to take a picture of it. And so she, because this is before we had the cool videos and everything. So she took a jump and I took a picture of it, of her jumping next to the box. And she was easily a couple feet above the box. Right. So I said, now jump on the box. And she stood there and I mean, her body's shaking, right? And her body's tensing and she goes to jump and she can't. And then she goes to jump and she can't. And I was like, get up on the box (laughs) and or leave. And she leapt into the air and I have a picture of it and her ponytail is straight up, fully extended. She leapt on this box and she was easily a couple feet above this box. And she landed on that box, boom, and tears just shot out. And she jumped off that box and gave me a huge hug. And I, I get, I'm getting teary just talking about it right now. She gave me a huge hug. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I did it. I did it. And I looked at her and I said, do it again. And she kind of looked at me and I'm like, nah, once isn't good enough. That's great. Show me that you've beat it. Show me that you've gained that, like, that power over that fear. Do it. And she did it again. And then she did it again. And from that point forward, anytime we had a box jump, didn't matter what the height was, she went after it. And because of that, she grew. Okay. And today, I mean, even now, tears, I will never forget that moment. Right. And so that just gives you an example. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't a major thing. It wasn't a huge need to jumping out of plane or anything, anything crazy. But to her, it could, you know, it could easily be to you guys saying hi to somebody or coming out of your shell, right? It doesn't have to be. It's, it, it's what's big to you and for you to find that moment. And I hope you do. I really do. That's what this is about. And that's why I'm sharing this. Okay. Questions. What are some of the fears that you're facing? You don't have to share those with anybody. You can just write them down. You can maybe just think about them. What are some of the techniques either from above or that you've used to overcome with or move through your fears. Now, sometimes people say, well, I, you should overcome your fear. And sometimes we can't. Sometimes we just have to move through it. Or sometimes we have to bring it with us and do it anyway. Okay. And then what advice? Now, this is kind of a flip of an exercise. What advice would you give to a friend of yours if they came to you with that fear? So if you said, well, you know, I'm really afraid of, uh, you know, coming out of my shell. I'm kind of an introverted person. And that person came to you and said, hey, friend, uh, you know, I'm really just, I'm really you know, I'm nervous. I really want to go talk to this person, but what would you say to them? What advice? Like, imagine you had to give that person some advice. What would that be? And kind of listen to that after you've said it. Okay. And and kind of internalize that. So that's the presentation this week on fear. I want you, I, I hope it really helps you. Uh, these are, like I said, we've kind of learned a little bit about the background of what it is. Uh, we've heard it from a couple different places giving you some things. And I would really like to, uh, right now I only have the email. So worldwisebear, worldwisebear at gmail.com. I'm building up a Facebook group because what I really want to do is interact. Uh, I want you guys to be able to ask questions or go, hey, I tried this thing and it sucked. Or I tried this thing and it was amazing. Or here's, I want to, I want to challenge you on this. Or here's my viewpoint on it. I really want to hear that because that's a part of this community. I think all of us are amazing human beings and we all have very different perspectives, uh, different life experiences. And I think we can add to that collective. So if you want to share your stories with me, by all means, worldwisebear at gmail. Once I get the Facebook uh, group up the proper way, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. So all you guys have to do is click on that and you can go there and I'll be in there uh, interacting and talking with you guys. All right. So again, I want to thank you for being a part of this community. If you've enjoyed the weekly wisdom, hey, subscribe and become a wise barian. 
And to be honest with you, I have been blown away with all of your wonderful support uh, and the sharing. I, <laughs> it's just, I, I really love it. And I really want to just tell you how much I love y'all. I really appreciate y'all. Uh, every time I see that those those numbers come up or somebody hits me up on Facebook and they're like, hey, this is good stuff or this person or, you know, listen to this because it really helped me. Uh, I feel truly blessed that they take the moment to let me be a, a part of their life. So again, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to throw in the show notes the uh, link to psychology today and the link to Sadhguru if you want to watch either one or even kind of go down that rabbit hole to uh, check either one of those guys out. And again, I appreciate it, and I will talk to you next week.